This is Sierra Ward, number four on the Yellow Jacket volleyball team, and you're listening to Inside the Hive. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Inside the Hive podcast, where we dive into everything Black Hill State University Athletics. I'm your host, Colton Nicholson, the Director of Sports Media and Marketing for BHSU Athletics. We have a big introductory episode with Director of Athletics Patrick McNeil, Head Football Coach Josh Bresky, Head Volleyball Coach Kristen Carmichael, and Head Cross Country Coach Brian Medigovich. Joining me first is Black Hill State University Director of Athletics Patrick McNeil. He joined the BHSU family this last summer, previously serving at the University of Arkansas at Monticello. Patrick, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Appreciate it, Colton. Well, Patrick, we're now allowing fans back into the venues. Uh, this is, of course, uh, post-COVID. Uh, what excites you about this, uh, especially being your first year here at Black Hill State University? Uh, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. You almost feel like you're just back to normal. Although I don't know that normal or what the new normal really is. But what I would say is you can definitely sense a level of enthusiasm for wanting to be part of our programs. And I think just being more involved and I, you know, I think our donors and our fans, you know, when you lose something, sometimes you, you get a greater appreciation for what you don't have. And so then when you get it back, you're like, wow. And I think um, that's kind of what I've really seen. And it's interesting that I just used the word wow because I can tell you that seems to be a word that I hear from a lot of our fans. You know, they'll come to a basketball game or a volleyball game or quite honestly, even a soccer game. And they'll be like, wow, it's just, it's either great to be back wow, it's so great to see these young people, or wow, it's great to see coach, or you know, wow, like the atmosphere, and I love what you're doing, or whatever it is. Um, I just, I think people are wanting that sense of normalcy, whatever that would be. Um, and you know, I think from our end, our coaches certainly want it, our student athletes definitely want it. Um, so if we can do our part to try to bring back some of that sense of normalcy, that's great. But I would just say that I, I feel between our coaches, our staff, our student athletes and our fans, our university, that sense of gratitude for what we now get back is what I think is really permeating itself throughout all that we're trying to do. It is great to be back, and it's great to see the excitement on the student-athletes' faces. Um, it's great to not have to watch a game through the screen anymore. Uh, can you talk a little bit about um, you know, watching the game through the screen and what it means to allow the fans back in? Yeah, and I think what happens is you miss the, you know, it is great. Like I love live stream. I love watching games on TV. I love that. You know, there's there's a, there's a great sense of comfortability sometimes that you can watch it in your own home and all that. But what you miss from live events is you're there. It's it's the sights, the sounds, the smells. You know, it's those five senses that get hit when you're at a live action event whether that's a concert, a play, a show, but definitely in an athletics event because there's just so much going on. And so when you go to that you know, volleyball game against South Dakota Mines and you look across the bench and there's 500 students all dressed in white because of a whiteout and the sounds and the, the excitement and the cheering and the, all the stuff that goes into a game day, that's what makes live events so critical 
and you miss those, even though those student athletes got to play live, that part's not there. And so yes, can we play a basketball game, a volleyball game, football game without fans? Sure. Just doesn't have what we're used to in America of that live piece, you know, and that's what I think is exciting about having them back. We touched on a little bit about you uh, and your past universities, but what I really want to know is how did that experience teach you the tools that were necessary um, coming into Black Hill State University and the positive effects that it could have on this university? You know, I think, um, you know, every experience has an impact positive or negative. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I'll go back to, you know, I was, a, uh, I was a high school athletic director early in my career. I got out of it, I went and sold, uh, I went and worked as a sales manager at a hotel. And I hated that job. Day three, I'm like, oh, I just don't like this. But in a previous role, I did a lot with baseball. Well, I, I was in the hotel business for 10 months. Well, I had an opportunity to go to Walt Disney World and be a sports specialist for Disney created baseball tournaments. Well, there was two reasons why I got that job. One, my past experience with baseball, but two, my experience with hotels, because that was the majority of my job at Disney. And I always remember that, that every experience has a impact on you in some form or fashion. So what I would say is that all my experiences, every place I've been, I've had successes, I've had failures, I've had things that have worked at some schools that didn't at others and vice versa. And so what I get excited about is that I love people that are risk takers, that are planners, that are visionary, that are willing to put in the time and effort to see if something will work. And that's what we have here. And so what I get excited about from my previous experiences, what I hope is that I can take some of those, and I'm very big on what worked here, doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna work here, but maybe concepts or elements of it would. But also you have unique individuals that are here that aren't at previous schools. So how do you take their skill sets and their experiences and all of that and try to find a way to be very synergistic with it to say, could we do this for the betterment of Black Hill State? Um, so that, I, I know that probably didn't answer necessarily the full question, but I would just say that each little experience gets you more experience. And so hopefully those different years of experience, those different areas of experience, different areas of the country, different sizes of institutions, different types of athletics departments, different presidents, different cultures, that's what you hope you bring. And then what's been great here is an incredible community in Spearfish, a great location in the Northern Hill, Black Hills. And I'm talking from Rapid City to Sturgis to Belfouche to here. How can we get those people more involved? How do we get our university and our athletics department more involved? Those kinds of things. Those are the experiences that I think being elsewhere, you, you, you grow. Or at least you hope you go, right? You hope you grow. And I think that's what I've been able to do is grow over my career and then say, okay, what can I take those skill sets, bring them here and hope that they will resonate with folks when we try to implement them. And I kind of go back to earlier, we were just talking about, wow. And I think that's what's happening is as people see some of the things that we've been implementing with football and volleyball and just being out in the community, there's that sense of wow. And that's what, you know, if we could use wow for the rest of our careers of we're gonna provide wow experiences, that'd be pretty awesome. So I think having those experiences and trying to do that is, is what, 
I'm hoping that I'm bringing to the table and to this department to try to help us. Great student athlete experiences, great staff experiences, great coaches experience, and ultimately our fans having a great experience. Generally speaking, uh, universities have an issue with a separation between the academic side and the athletic side. Um, it's across the board, not just at Black Hill State University, but you know, going off of what you said, what is the plan to hopefully combat that here at Black Hill State University? Um, you know, I would say here overall it's not been terrible, but you're exactly right. I think, you know, um, you know, you, I always say that, you know, the academic side is sort of a square and then athletics is a circle. And that old adage of you can't put a square peg in a circle or vice versa. And I think what happens sometimes is that the two entities are so different in so many ways, but they exist in this same arena which is university, you know, and education. And so what I've always said is that we can either sit and complain about them or what we can become is collaborators with them. We can work with them. And so that's actually what I've tried to do in my role since I've been here in June is to really get to know our community, you know, our campus community. Um, what makes them tick? What is work? What hasn't? And, uh, you know, uh, even yes, yesterday I spent an hour and 45 minutes talking to one of our deans and man, we were talking about everything. But what was amazing is in this particular case, the dean and I were on a lot of the same pages, but there hadn't been those conversations in the past. You know, We had another uh, organization we're gonna do some stuff with around a men's women's basketball game this year. And the comment that she made to me is, I've been here 18 years and nobody's ever come and asked me. And so that's what, you know, I, I give you that statement because if we always sit and wait for things to happen, they may never happen. So that's where I look at my role is, if we want to see change, why aren't we the ones to try to start the conversation for change? And I'm very comfortable with that. I, I don't mind if you haven't, you know, hope, probably talking too much on this you know, podcast, but I enjoy this part of it. I enjoy the collaboration. Um, you know, and quite frankly, we need the campus community to be part of us. Why? Our student athletes are students. They go to class, they have to be with faculty, they go eat. I just got back from eating at the uh, cafeteria. You know, probably half of the students that were eating at the cafeteria lunch were student athletes. We make up such a big fabric of this campus, but we can't sit down here in an island and expect everybody up there to want to transform or help us if we're not working with them. So I look forward to continuing those relationships, building on those relationships, and making sure that athletics is a very integral part to the campus community and atmosphere and the day-to-days of what we do. And we need to continue to do it, but we are gonna do it. We're not gonna wait for the campus to come to us. We're gonna go to them because if we do, it could be 18 years before anybody comes and talks to us. You know, that's 100% true. I mean, you can't just wait and have something fall into your lap. You have to go pursue. And that's what I really like about this uh, mentality, this idea that let's go out, let's get things done. So my final question for you is a little bit of a toughie, but where do you see the university in 10 years? That's all right. I mean, actually, it's a great question. I mean, the last probably week I've spent a lot of time and um, I even delayed us sitting talking here because I'm talking to a coach about we're putting together a vision right now. 
Um, but what does it look like? I don't know. Do I have concepts in my head of where I want to go? Um, absolutely. But I think what's critical is that, you know, we just talked about collaboration. If we're going to grow Black Hill State Athletics, it has to be a we vision, not a me vision. And so it has to be each coach has to have a vision for their program. What do they need? Do they need scholarships? Do they need facilities? Do they need annual operating dollars? Do we need travel? Do we need equipment? You know, so on and so on. And every program is unique. Every coach is unique. So what happens a lot of times is we think we should just paint this broad brush and it'll cover everybody. It's not how it works. What football needs is completely different than women's golf than softball, than rodeo, and so on, we have to really sit down and say, what do we need? So, but what I do want is this. I want us to be the preeminent Division II school in the country. Now, that's a lofty goal, but I think we start with how can we become the top-notch RMAC school in our conference? How do we do that first? If we do that here, this is an incredible, this might be the top two or three conferences in the United States of America. If we can be the top towards here, we're gonna be the top across the country. I mean, you just look at some of the fall sports and who's at the top five, tons of RMAC schools. So what do we need to do to aspire to there? But it's gonna take financial resources, it's gonna take human capital and investment and time, energy, and creating wows. And if we do that, then I think we can really create some. But what we need to do right now is really get a vision for the next two to three to four years that ultimately is going to drive our 10-year vision. And then once we get that, the nice thing about visions is it should never stop. And so you can now start to, you know, I've told people here this first year for me is like, we're gonna put everything, we're gonna etch it in jello. Why? Because just because we change something doesn't mean it's gonna work that it's gonna stay and that it's not gonna get changed. So how do we get, it's like clay, you know, you can mold it, you can, and until you put that pottery into the fire, it's still, you know, so that's kind of how I see it, is uh, how do we create something today for what we wanna build for the future that ultimately is gonna get us to that 10 year vision, but quite frankly, get to 10 years so it's even, you know, we can like really lock ourselves into, annual success. That's what I really want to do. So we're doing that right now, trying to meet with coaches and staff and really get a feel for this is what we're going to do for the next several years. That sounds great. Well, thank you for uh, joining us, Patrick. It's been great talking to you uh, and welcome to Black Hill State University. Thank you and go Yellow Jackets. Stick around. We have more coming up right after this. Your vehicle is the lifeline to work and play. Finding your next upgrade can be complicated and expensive. You shouldn't settle for a vehicle at a random sales lot. Choose a dealer who guides you to a better decision. For over 90 years, the people at Junix and Spearfish have helped countless people like you make better vehicle decisions. Click on the link to see what's available, then schedule a test drive to see what's possible with Junix Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram on West Jackson in Spearfish. And welcome back to Inside the Hive. I'm joined now with uh, Coach Bresky. Coach, how are you doing today? Doing wonderful, Colton. Awesome. How about you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Great. All right. So let's get right into it. Coming back from uh, COVID, what have you seen from the team this year as far as improvements and maybe some things that you're wanting to work on moving forward? Um, I think 
the main thing that we're seeing coming back off of a COVID year is our guys' game speed is where it needs to be right now. Um, you know, we're clicking in our pass game offensively and defensively, seeing things at the right speed and not showing up late to the party, so to speak. So I'm really glad with, uh, um, you know, our guys' improvement in the urgency category. Awesome. So uh, as far as uh, starting up the beginning of the game, I know some teams have trouble starting in that first half and just being going ready to go. Um, what have you been doing to kind of counteract that in your own team? Absolutely. I think one thing you've seen from our offense, uh, some multiple games this season is some slow starts and, you know, attributed a little bit to uh, just not making the plays, having some mistakes. You know, we started off this game with a false start on our very first drive that put us in a third and long, and we about got out on a screen right away on the game, but just got shoelace tackled. Uh, the other thing you saw is us taking some shots uh, early on in games and getting behind defenses. And when you're not able to connect on those and you're sitting in second and long, sometimes it turns into a third and medium that's often, you know, a 50-50, you know? Yeah. And uh, as far as your uh, passing game, um, you know, that's one thing with Black Hill State is it's kind of hard to get a gauge on us, I feel like, on our football team. So um, going into games and stuff, it's hard for the team, to, uh, the opposing team, to exactly know what our game plan is and to be like, okay, well, they're a heavy running team or they're a heavy passing team. Um, how do you keep teams guessing as far as, okay, you know, Black Hill State, what can we expect from them? Well, we don't know. Uh, so can you explain a little bit more yeah, about that? Yeah, I know offensively, uh, Ben Blake, uh, Joe Ashfield, they've done a great job designing the offense this year. And typically what they look for is going to be some weak spots in our opposing defenses. Uh, for instance, this last week we felt like we could get behind the secondary of South Dakota Mines, and we did. Unfortunately, we just weren't able to convert those. Um, you know, in previous weeks we felt like we could attack their defensive line in our run game, and we'd have some success there. Uh, so that's what you're seeing a little bit of a varied attack and um, a little bit of a different approach each week, uh, which, which I've enjoyed to see. You know, it's, it's taking what the defense gives you, more or less. I understand that. So we talked about South Dakota Mines a little bit. Um, it didn't go our way. We wanted it to go our way so bad. I know so many people were looking forward to this game, and, you know, for good reason. I mean, it's 136. Um, South Dakota Mines is always our rival. And it's always a game that people look forward to every single year. Um, you know, we had four uh, defensive players with double-digit tackles. We had several turnovers that turned into offensive opportunities for us. Uh, but it just didn't go our way. Uh, what, I guess, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the game? Yeah, you know, having an opportunity to sit down and actually go back and watch the game on Sunday with a clear head when emotions were a little bit lower, um, I was able to see, you know, offensively. First of all, let's say this defense, they played well. They played very well. I was very pleased with them holding uh, South Dakota Mines to 13 points. Um, they tackled well. They were physical. They turned Mines over four times on defense. Uh, they put us uh, in great opportunities to go score points. Offensively, we have um, what's kind of been coined the phrase on offense is we have one, one guy away itis, you could say. And it stinks, you know, it stinks right now. And unfortunately, offense uh, very much works like a, a well-oiled a well machine. And if there's one piece of that machine that's not working well, you're not gonna have great output. Uh, whereas in defense, you could have 10 guys in the right place and one guy not, and uh, you know, you can go erase uh, a decent offensive play just by 
uh, a little extra force or getting a little lucky. Offense, you have to be you have to be executing all 11 players all the time if you want to be able to go down and score. And um, yeah, it's just having the the execution be a little bit more consistent on offense. I think that we end up beating minds by multiple scores. You know, um, we're able to connect on any one of those, which felt like maybe five or six deep passing plays. Um, I think that changes the outlook of the game completely. And we just weren't, we weren't able to, unfortunately. We're just a, a couple inches off on every single one of those deep throws. And our run game was, was poor this last week as well. Um, credit to the defensive line of South Dakota Mines. Um, but not too much credit. I felt like we, we had a great matchup there and we played bad um, in the run game up front. I got you. And you know, one thing that I noticed with the team is you were talking about being inches away from most of the, most of the plays. And I could see that. I mean, if a couple of those plays went our way, the momentum shifts so much. And, uh, you know, you're talking about the passing games. I remember standing up from the control room and just being like, get there, get there, get there, get there. And it was just those inches. It was just so dang close. And that's, uh, it got me excited for the day, for the game. But I also noticed that when we weren't getting those plays going our way, the momentum wasn't there. Absolutely. The excitement wasn't there. The, um, you're, you're 100% correct. And that's what we talked about this week is, um, you know, players, players have a certain amount of things that they can control on game day. And the two things that we put in front of their face every day, every pregame speech I give them is, we, you guys have to be in control of your attitude and control your effort. What is your emotion, your outlook, your perspective, and how is your physicality, your want to, and your level of grit as far as your effort goes? And we are spending far too much time as a staff coaching emotions on game day, and it's taking away from our ability to coach up simple things like footwork or, um, you know, uh, you know, eyes, coaching up um, X's and O's and adjustments and those type of things. We have far too much, um, I, I would say, roller coaster emotions uh, where you see us um, really, really excited when things are going good and extremely low when things aren't going well and we get down on ourselves. And, um, you know, it's, it's really nothing that's coming from us as a coaching staff. We definitely coach with the spirit of love and we encourage our players. You know, if we need to get on them, we get on them, but it's, uh, you're never hearing from any of our staff, do this right or else you're never playing again. That's not who we are as a coaching staff. So there's really no reason for our players to have that uh, performance anxiety or approval anxiety um, or get down on themselves because uh, our coaching staff, we're, we're the biggest cheerleaders for our players that, that you'll ever know. And uh, it's just disappointing. It's disappointing to see our guys get so down on themselves. Um, and we can't ride that roller coaster of emotions. It's killing our, it's killing our uh, momentum, as you yeah, said. That, and, you know, it, it just takes that win when it comes down to it. It takes that win. It takes that shift in momentum because if you are just getting down on yourself and it's continuous, mm-hmm. it's going to continue. But if you get that win, if you get that break in the cycle, right. I feel like that would really change things. And not saying that things absolutely need to be changed or anything like that. It's just I understand that mentality, that getting down on yourself, and then just kind of letting that rule you for a little bit. But I think once they get that win, once they get that W, that's right. going to be big. And that's going to bring us to our next uh, discussion here, and that's going to be this weekend's game. You guys travel down to Mesa. Right. Um, 
what are you looking for as far as the team, as far as effort, as far as emotions go um, for this weekend? I think the number one thing we have to do is we have to treat every single play like a game. Okay, and that's, that's easily said here at the desk. Um, it's much less uh, easily accomplished, I guess, out on the field on a Saturday, but every play is going to be so important. Uh, we have a, a saying here, uh, you might go 0-1 on a rep, but never go 0-2. And we've lost that mentality right now. Um, the other thing we've been saying that kind of goes hand in hand with this is, uh, let's not let Tech beat us twice. You know, they beat, they beat us once last week. Let's not let the emotions and the vibe from that game carry over into a Mesa game. We have a brand new opportunity. Uh, let's look at this Mesa game as a brand new season. Let's look at each play as a brand new game. And if you, if you go 1-0, great. You know, let's see how many of those we can put together, how many solid plays and wins we can put together. Um, and if you go 1-1, don't go 0-2. That's, that's going to be the number one thing as far as our mentality goes because Mace is a good team, and they're going to have, they're going to have success on offense. They're going to make some plays on defense as well. Um, are we going to let that deter us from going out and giving our very best effort and having a great attitude and executing on the very next play? It, it cannot. It cannot take us out of our game. We have to treat every play. And that's the best thing about football is you have a break. You know? Where are you at between the whistle and the snap? You know, you hear a lot of coaches talk about from the snap to the whistle, you need to da-da-da-da-da, whatever it may be. Um, I'm more concerned as a head coach about where is your mind at, what are you telling yourself between the, the whistle and the next snap. In that little short period of time we have as we're getting ready to run the next play, how are you able to reset yourself and refocus yourself, uh, flush the last play, win or lose, and move forward to the very next battle? Um, and we did such a poor job of that this last week. Uh, but I've seen our guys do well at that as, at times, too. So I'm excited for the opportunity. Absolutely, Coach. I, I mean, it, it's just going to be great to watch them this weekend. And unfortunately, I have to watch them online. But uh, it's going to be great to see them come out of that because I, I just have a feeling that they are going to come out of this. They are going to come out firing because, yeah, they do have South Dakota Mines kind of weighing over them. But at the same time, in order to get that out of their system, they need to come to that game prepared, just like you were saying. And I love the fact that you guys are focusing on the emotional side because you realize how important that is. And you're not taking the time to, you know, berate them and be like, you can't think this way, you can't think this way, because you understand as a coach that doesn't work. Right. And so it's great that you're doing that. But, Coach, we look forward to watching you guys. Um, can't wait to hear about the W next week on next week's episode. All right, stick around. Uh, there is more Inside the Hive coming up next. Heard through word of mouth that uh, Joe and Karen were looking at retiring, and my wife and I looked into it and decided we wanted to do something different. I knew the business would work by visiting with Joe and Karen, looking at things, but I needed a bank. I went and visited with Pioneer Bank and set it up the way we wanted, and I mean, everything worked. So they've been great. History, here I am. <laughs> Pioneer Bank and Trust is local. All right, welcome back to Inside the Hive. Right now I'm uh, joined by Coach Medigovich for the cross country team. Uh, Coach, can you tell us a little bit about uh, cross country as far as uh, how it differs from other sports and uh, kind of the considerations you have to take into that maybe other sports don't have to? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, uh, we score five runners on each side. And so uh, a lot of sports, you want uh, to score more points. And our sport works more like golf, where the lower point total wins the battle. And so uh, where, where, you know, a lot of other team sports, you have a lot more people technically that, you know, can count for you. For us, it's the top five make the biggest difference. Those are the ones scoring the points for us. And so a lot of times you look at it, everyone might think that your first runner is the most important runner. In a way it is, but a lot of times in my sport, the fifth runner is just as important and more important because they're scoring the most points for the team. And so you have to have a good, well-balanced team and your backups from your sixth to seventh to eighth to ninth uh, female or male are very important in pushing that fifth runner. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's trying to score as low as possible, but doing that, you know, it, it takes, you know, more than just five runners technically to make those your best five that day of the race for sure. Gotcha. So, and I know before uh, when we were talking, you were talking about uh, the altitude and you were talking about uh, elevation. You were talking about the terrain. Uh, the sports that uh, don't really have to worry about that, of course, is football and um, you know soccer because they're playing on a pitch and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking at a course, when you're looking at where you're going. Uh, you have to take that stuff into consideration. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, and it, it varies training quite a bit sometimes too. So every course we go to is, you know, never the same. You know, some courses are, yeah, a different elevation. Some could be sea level at zero feet. Some could be as high in this conference at 8,000 feet. But a lot are hilly. Some are flat. Some have different types of grass. Some are called golf course grass, a very nice grass. Some have, I call more of the crab grass, very thick, tall blades. Some courses are dirt. Some courses we've ran on have stairs in them. Some have ditches you go through. There's a lot, I've ran courses where there's hay bales you jump. There's a lot of different variety. So it's not just the same, every single course is different. And so that varies the times by quite a bit, but the way to prepare for it, especially in cross country season, where we different than just our track season is track. We know the surface cross country. We have to get out there when we're training and make sure we're okay on different surfaces. We're okay in the mud. We're okay in tall grass, dirt. We're okay crossing things. And so I like diversity sometimes in our workouts, you know, even someone, some person off the street, you know, steps in front of us, most coaches be like, oh, that's disrupting it. I actually like that change because we never know what's going to happen or in a course or some workout we're doing. I didn't plan on there being a little, you know, being washed away in one section. Well, that can happen on a cross-country course. And so we have to be kind of ready for anything out there. So it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of variety to it for sure. And that's the nice thing about training in the Black Hills is we have that variety here. It's, you know, not just one type of grass. It's not just one type of place you run mm-hmm. in. It's literally, we have almost every type of running surface here in the Black Hills. So I, I bet that's a, be, a great recruiting tool, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. You prepare for everything in that and the weather, too. It could get warm here, but also get cold. We could get a decent amount of rain. We could get snow in and cross country. Unless there's lightning, nothing really cancels the race. And so we have to be ready for all. So from the weather to the train and stuff like that, I, I think we have the aspects of, you know, we have the capability of training for anything that might be handed to us. And I think that's definitely a good recruiting tool. Nice. Well, uh, I'm going to change gears on you here a little bit. Um, so regionals is coming up this weekend. You get to travel down to Lubbock, Texas. Uh, what are you doing as far as preparation? And are you excited for the trip down there? And if so, what are you excited for? 
Yeah, uh, first of all, very excited for the trip. Uh, regionals, I've been part of the regional race for at least 15, 16 years. It's changed a lot of different ro- locations over the years. Um, but this is a new course. I've never been to this course uh, in Lubbock. Uh, Lubbock Christian's the host. And uh, it sounds like it's a flatter course per se than uh, what we've ran on so far this year. It's a fast course. And so uh, elevation wise, it's about exactly where Spearfish is at elevation wise. So that's not a disadvantage to us, it's an advantage to us. And so I'm excited for where we're going down course wise. Um, Team wise, I'm excited for opportunity. We get to race another conference. And, uh, you know, Lone Star Conference will have 16 teams there plus our 15 teams. And so we get to kind of see where we shake out between the 32 field team and kind of, you know, it's a good way to compare us to the rest of the nation for sure. So you were talking about uh, the, the course being fast. Can you tell us what it what makes a course fast? Yeah, so what makes a course fast is, well, first of all, elevation. And so the lower elevation, the, the easier it is basically to breathe and take in oxygen so you will run faster. But then the course being a hard surface, so it's supposed to be a harder dirt pack. And so that'd be like running on, uh, you know, the best smooth golf course possible or the low grass, like a green. Um, and so dirt, you can run a lot faster than any tall grass. And then also not having hills also increases the time. So, you know, time-wise, it should be, you know, the runners should have their PRs of the season, you know, and just in a reasonable day, they should be able to get their personal best of the season for sure to, if not their careers. And so, uh, yeah, that's what kind of makes a course. It's kind of the surface, the elevation, the lack of hills. Usually the turns aren't too tight. It doesn't look like this course has a lot of long sweepers. And so that helps. Um, so usually the athletes are very excited when they get to go to a fast course. It reminds me in the middle of a track season and, We've had a slower course for the most part for most of the season, so this gives them their one fast chance. Well, perfect. Well, Coach, uh, thank you for uh, taking the time to answer our questions, and good luck at the big stage for uh, regionals, and hopefully we get some athletes down at nationals. And nationals is in Florida, correct? Yeah, St. Leo's the host, yep, outside of Tampa. Perfect. Well, good luck getting there, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you when you get back from regionals. Uh, This is Inside the Hive, and uh, we'll be right back after this. Your loved ones deserve the utmost comfort when visiting Spearfish. If you're looking for the perfect place to get the family together, the Spearfish Holiday Inn and Convention Center has the most updated and comfortable rooms in town. Make your reservations today at the Spearfish Holiday Inn and Convention Center. All right, welcome back to Inside the Hive. Right now I'm sitting with Coach Carmichael of the women's volleyball team. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing great. Great now. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about... Uh, the ladies and as far as this year has gone it may have not gone always in your favor you know uh, you see your record and we see a lot of five set four set matches how do what are your plans to make those go our way yeah uh, we think about that every day if I'm being honest Um, honestly I've been pretty impressed with some of the teams you know top 25 teams that we've been pushing to five and making them really really work for it um i think it's a confidence issue i think um late in sets we're we're nervous to be the one that puts it away so definitely going to work on some of that mental strength stuff during the off season but i i appreciate their efforts i appreciate that we're in matches late in matches now it's just kind of hitting the finish line i see and so uh 
looking at your matches when you do get to those five sets, uh, one thing I've noticed, at least with home matches, I haven't been able to go to any away matches yet, um, I've noticed that uh, it seems like the ladies sometimes start off a little bit slow in the beginning, but as we get into that fourth set, that fifth set, they really start to take off. And I think that's why we're getting to those four or five sets is because they, they kind of get into that third set and all of a sudden it's like, no, let's play. Is that something that you've seen too or is something that, that you need to work on or what do you think? It's definitely been up and down. I feel like there's been some matches we've come out really strong in set one and kind of relaxed in set two or it takes us till the end of set two to get going. So consistency in that would be, you know, make me have less gray hairs probably. <laughs> Um, but I think it's more of, you know, strategically what's working early. If opponent starts making adjustments, then we have to start making adjustments and kind of determining that quicker and on the court and on the fly, I think would help us kind of string points together. Okay. So you're talking about adjustments that you have to make on the fly. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like a football coach calling a play differently because they're seeing what is happening as far as defense goes. Um, can you explain a little bit uh, what what are maybe some of the things you're looking for in the other team to make adjustments for your own team? Um, something we've seen consistently is we like to run a tempo ball to our pins um, and teams have started matches or immediately adjusted to setting up their block a little wider on us. Um, we've worked on some different offensive options, kind of bringing the ball inside so that in theory we kind of split the blockers and go through them and make them have to adjust. And then I like our hitters and setters to kind of just play a cat and mouse game. So it's like if they're outside, bring it in. Once they bring it in and adjust, take it out and just keep, you know, kind of chasing each other around offensively and defensively. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, it, it, you're really adjusting to uh, certain things. And for me, I don't know what a pin is. Okay. Um, I <laughs> That's the antenna. <laughs> okay. The red and white thing. That's good to know. <laughs> See, there's some things I just don't know. There you go. I, I mean, I am good at volleyball. but That, that just, you are, Colton. That you are. <laughs> We've seen my skill. Yeah. Anyway, um, so moving into next season, um, what are the things that you're going to be working on uh, maybe over the off season to better prepare for next season? Not saying that you need to better prepare, but you right. know, there, there's always room for improvement. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as uh, maybe player status, uh, maybe even talk about um, some of the great uh, athleticism that's coming into the program next year. Yeah. Um, some of the things you're looking forward to next year. Honestly, I think uh, Coach Bree and myself are just looking forward to a normal spring. Um, getting to have that one-on-one -on -one individual skill instruction breakdown, kind of get rid of some of our bad habits, stuff that we can't accomplish in the fall because it's just kind of you come in and five minutes later we're playing matches. So more than anything with our current athletes, we're just looking forward to getting to kind of break down some stuff, get everybody on the same system. I mean, with the COVID year, our current second year kids never had a spring. So they've never had the let's break it down and really go over things that we've been struggling with. So looking forward to having two classes, freshmen and sophomores kind of go through that. Um, I think it will raise the whole level of play for the team. Um, but yeah, recruits excited about them, you know, looking for some experience out there, um, have some of those that are kind of in our back pocket. Um, you know, looking to bring in some offensive weapons for us that can consistently put the ball away. But um, really, it's just about kind of getting everybody on the same page during that off season. Yeah, the bummer moving into off season is meaning that you're going to lose some seniors, Definitely. which is always a bummer yeah. every single year. Yeah, which we'll get into next week on our next episode. Uh, but first, 
let's talk about this weekend coming up. Yeah. You're playing uh, Pueblo, and you're playing, uh, hold on, I have this pulled up right here. I can tell you. Because <laughs> I am good at my job. <laughs> anyway, so Friday you play UCCS, and yep. uh, Saturday you play uh, Pueblo. Yep. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you're looking for in those teams, what you're hoping to accomplish against those teams? Yeah, um, UCCS is kind of, you know, right there with all 10 of us in the RMAC right there middle of the pack you know one to two games splits everybody's records it's really been crazy here so we're looking forward to going in there and just being consistent um, statistically they do really well offensively so we're hoping that our defense shows up and kind of shuts that down a little bit um, Saturday against Pueblo honestly personally I'm just looking forward to a rematch you know we kind of struggled when they came up here and so we're excited to show them what we've been working on and how much better we've gotten since early September um, but yeah, it's just, it's a road trip. It's half as long of a road trip as what we went on, you know, two weeks ago. So we're looking forward to that, but really just kind of getting down the road and playing some good volleyball and getting back home. Awesome. So, uh, you were talking about long road trips. Um, I hate long road trips. I, if it's over 10 hours, I'm like, I'm flying no matter what. Okay. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about how you prepare the ladies for, you know, a long road trip, what you do when you get there, what you do to prepare to come back? Cause it is a process. I mean, not only are yeah. you having to figure out hotel rooms, all this, but you're also having to think about, uh, the team and you know, what's best for them when you get there and just right. preparing for the game. Yeah, um, well, in the RMAC, we definitely have a longer than 10 hours, Colton, so you'd hate it. Um, but honestly, we just kind of treat it like a business trip. That's kind of what we discuss is like we're here to do a job. A um, lot of bus time, a lot of team bonding time, you know, and stuff like that on the way down. Um, when we get there, we try to kind of get off the bus, for lack of a better word, and just let them stretch out in the parking lot or whatever it might be. Um, we really try to prioritize sleep so that they get a good night's sleep at the hotel and then, you know, got to feed them constantly. They're very hungry. Um, and then we do walkthroughs, serve and pastimes at the op opponent's location to just kind of get comfortable in the gym and warm up play and get on the bus and do it all over again. <laughs> oh, fun. Yeah, fun. so um, honestly, it's just kind of setting them up mentally to expect it. Um, these two long ones back to back that we just kind of completed were eye opening for some of our uh, team members that have not been on ones like that, but it was good. Great. And so you, you mentioned food. It, yes. What is the favorite food that they like to oh, go for? Every, every time we think we have it in their favorites, we pick it and then they wish we had something else. You know, female like so to change their mind. Oh, okay. You know? So they're very picky. You, yeah, they do a good job. I feel like they're very appreciative and thankful, but I feel like every time we think we hit it on the head, yeah. we're wrong. Oh, yeah. That'll yeah. happen. Yeah. That'll happen. Yeah. I always did that. Well, thank you for joining us, Coach. Uh, again, that's Coach Carmichael with the volleyball team. And it's been a great chat. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Inside the Hive. And thank you to the coaches for joining us and taking time out of their busy schedules to chat with us. Make sure to tune in next week where we will be sure to talk about everything Black Hill State University Athletics. Also, be sure to check in on the games happening this week. We have away games, we have home games, everywhere in between it seems like. So just be sure to keep tuned in to BHSU Athletics. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all of our social media, and also on bhsuathletics.com. This has been Inside the Hive. Go Yellow Jackets. This has been a Black Hill State University production.